Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology. Uh, I'm Ellen Trackman, and I'm here with Jennifer White, and we have another exciting interview for the day. But before we dive in, um, not too long ago, Jen, you and I were both at the big annual conference for ASRM, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, and it was huge and it was crazy. And one of my favorite parts was meeting our next, our our guest today, who had this hilarious hashtag called "suck less" when it comes to infertility. Say "suck less." Suck um, less. But aside from from meeting our guest, what was one of your favorite things about um, about ASRM this year? Oh, oh my goodness. I I think just the spectacle of it all, the fact that we got to network and connect. And also there are things like there was a sperm bike and we could ride the sperm bike around. And I, it, it's just, come on. How, how can you not like the sperm bike? You know? Well, you, you couldn't actually ride it, right? You could just sit on it for pictures. Uh, you, you could did, just did sit it on it there. Um, yeah. It does actually functionally work, though. Oh, I never saw um, it actually. Yeah, I've read articles about it. It does functionally work. So, Um, but even things like during the conference, you could go get um, on the expo floor where we were, you could go get ice cream and you could, I mean, just really fun stuff. But beyond that, actually, it was more about the people and the connections. Um, I did get to squeal in delight with a doctor because a mutual client we found out was expecting. And I mean, just, you know, so moments like that, that you get to share are really fun. And it does, I mean, to kind of tie into where we're going, it does make some of these things suck less a lot. Do you want, do you want to know my favorite aside from the suck, besides from suck less? Yes. Um, so people, so different companies give away ridiculous things, you know, like sperm squeezies uh, for Colorado surrogacy. Um, but my favorite was there was this insurance company. Was it Brown and Co? Brown and Brown. Brown, yep. Brown and Brown. Uh, and they had these adorable um, little horses. And inside the horses, like there's a little Velcro that opens their little bellies and a little baby horse came out. And it was the cutest thing and I had to beg for four for all of my kids, and it was so cute. Right. Um, yeah, and no, those were really cute. one of my children named them, and uh, the horse was named, uh, oh no, Ice Cream Sunday, and the baby was Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. I remember the baby's name, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wouldn't the baby be Ice Cream Sunday? Because it's so sweet. Oh. Oh, I mean, not to tell children that they're wrong ever. Yeah, so, right. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, so, but we did get to meet some really incredible people that we would not have met otherwise. And one of them that we met was um, the woman that we're about to interview, Pradeepa. And she is a, a journey coach, infertility journey coach. And she has some, a, an incredible story of her own on what has brought her to where she is in her life. And a lot of really great tips for people on how they can help make this journey hopefully suck less. So we're excited to get to talk to her. Welcome. Today we are here with Pradeepa Narayanaswamy, who I've practiced very long to say that. How did I do? Wonderful. That That was awesome. (laughs) Okay. I was so nervous. Great. Um, Well, Pradeepa, we're so glad to have you here and hear your story as well as how how that's developed into this um, professional ability to help others. Um, First, do you want to tell us your background of where you're from and kind of what you did before all of this? Absolutely. Yes. Hey, thank you, Ellen and Jen. I really, really appreciate it. I'm very grateful to be on this show with both of you today. Um, I am talking to you all from Dallas, Texas, uh, kind of a very cloudy day and somewhat of a chilly 50 degree day. Yeah, it's 50 oh, degrees. Wow. Is chilly. That's warm. It's below chilly freezing in here. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said like, it's, it's, it's free. It's cold here in Texas today for 50 degrees. Um, I'm wearing my jacket. So. Wow. So I am a fertility coach. um, So that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And my mission is to help men, women and couples infertility journey suck less. 
So that's my and I I love that. That's your your hashtag hashtag suckless. Suckless, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I I get that you acknowledge like it's it's gonna suck. Period. Like we can't we can't make it not. We can't do like hashtag not suck. It's going to, but suck less. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's not going to be suck free, but I I can help it suck less. So that's why I said suck less. That's kind of like my branding thing. I love (laughs) it. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, um, like you said, like, okay, so fertility coaching is something that I'm passionate about and my heart is taking me there um, and my life is moving in that direction. But I started uh, way, way back ago as a, actually as a technology person. Um, I'm still affiliated with technology, but uh, started as a Java developer um, you know, right then and there, jumped into that. That's, that's like a kind of coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, so I'm, I'm also married to an IT guy, and I, the first time he said something about Java, I really did. I was like, "That's coffee, right?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually coffee for IT professionals. <laughs> right, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I swam in that coffee for a long time. Um, <laughs> and then I'm still I'm still actually affiliated with technology and I do work for a technology company. But nowadays, my role is more towards coaching. I actually jumped around uh, with different roles in technology. I was a developer, then I was a tester. Um, and then, you know, I moved into being a little bit more coach. Um, coaching teams, actually. So I was part of a team, but I also see myself coaching the team. And then I removed myself uh, from being part of the team and started coaching different teams. Um, And then from there on, that's where my coaching journey actually started. This was eight years ago. Nowadays, I work a lot more with uh, leadership, quite a bit with senior leaders, uh, VPs and above. Um, And I work as a professional coach, uh, mostly in that space as a leadership coach. And I see how that fits. You know, you're you're professionally coaching the leaders of a family, also. So you know, you're yes. you're leading your own fertility journey. I, I love that actually. Yes, <laughs> I like to think of yeah. that way. I am the CEO of my own fertility journey. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We we all are right CEO of our own life. <laughs> right. Right. So so we get to make our decisions. <laughs> Right. So you're a big wig teaching, you know, high up powered people to do better and work as teams. How did this transition happen? What what got you interested? Yeah. So, you know, I'm always into learning and, you know, crafting my own mastery and the path to mastery. And one of the things that I did a few years ago was to enroll myself. Yes, I'm working as a coach. Yes, I'm teaching all these people, but I wanted to be a better coach, become even, even, even a better coach. So I enrolled myself into a coaching program at the time uh, with, um, with what's called Coaches Training Institute, CTI. It's called um, CTI. And I I enrolled in their program just for my education and, you know, honing up on my mastery. And weirdly and funnily, what happened was that I actually turned around my life. It's such an extensive program and it's a series of five classes and intensive six months of certification program. But after I did the first class, towards the end of the class, you know, it's it's a coaching, um, it's a coaching training. So we get a lot of coaching, um, you know, we get coached by people and we coach other people in our class. So one such thing happened and my last in the first class last day. The the person who was coaching me, she was asking me like, hey, what do you want to do with your life or something around that fact, right? So nobody asked me that question before that kind of put me in a very interesting spot. And because I just had a very powerful two and a half days worth of coaching, which I have never experienced before. So much emotions, so much you know, deep diving into really understanding about who I am as a person and how do I show up and what what is me? Who is Padipa? That's the question that uh, that was answered uh, for me for the last three days or so towards the end of the day without even thinking when she asked that question it felt like suddenly a, a, a fog or a cloud lifted from my path and I was able to see my path clearly without even thinking twice I said like I wanted to be a life coach this is what I wanted to do without thinking twice or thrice I just blurted it out surprising even myself 
And you know what I did the next day? This was a Friday to Sunday class. So Monday morning, I came back to work and my colleagues and my friends kind of looked at me like, pretty, like you look different today. We don't know what it is, but you look different. I have no idea what that different was, but people were seeing something in me very differently that day. When I went, I sat in my computer, went into godaddy.com, purchased my domain, lifestransform.com. And I'm my company name is Possibilities Life's Transformed. I'm open for business. I was that wow, serious. Wow. So you were on yeah. company time for your old company But I was I was that close to, you know, I was that close to like, wow, something really in me changed the previous day. And I am so serious, you know, I could have, I could have not done anything about it, but I was that serious. I came in and I, it, it took me literally five minutes to go purchase the domain, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. even if it is company Sorry, time. I purchase, but, I purchase them all the time. I know it doesn't take that long to buy. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but I, I went ahead and did it. And for all, all it mattered was I never thought about myself as an entrepreneur, owning a company and being uh, a person who is going to uh, change people's lives and transform people's lives. I've never thought about it like like from that perspective. Yeah, I do do quite a bit of transformation and work with a lot of people inside the organization that I work with, but never this way. So I, in fact, uh, surprised myself by doing something like this. And that was the starting point of having my own business. And... It was even more interesting how I ended up being a, from a life coach into a fertility coach. Yeah. And, so and I was going to ask, do you, do you mind telling us a little bit about your own fertility history and what has brought you, you know, also your, from your personal experience, what's brought you here as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So taking, taking myself back to, you know, like I got married in 2000, I was in India, but you know, my husband was working here at that time. So I got married in 2000. So came here um, and I'm married for 18 years now, but uh, little I knew at that time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Little I knew at that time, um, you know, my, my life would be turned upside down with the, with the reproductive side of the house in my body. So 2006, um, I got pregnant for the first time. Um, but, you know, just to give you a little bit of history. So if you are coming from Southeast Asia, the typical expectation, even for yourself or from family and friends is, you know, you get married and in a year or two, you start you know, having children. having children. And yeah. that's, that's such a common expectation. And when, you know, I was married in 2000, that's why I wanted to tell the year there, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. People started asking questions. Huh, why? Not because you didn't want it to. No, it be, it's, it's a very common expectation. Like, Hey, what's happening? You know, we, you know, you, when are we going to see our grandkid? Yeah. Or when, are, when am I going to see a niece Which is, or nephew? in any right? culture so, is always like a hard question to deal with when you're question. trying and yeah. hoping. You're like, ugh, you know, to answer yeah. that. And, you know, you just, you just smile sometimes awkwardly and say, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, I mean, like all sorts of awkwardness happens. Right, right. <laughs> and you you just avoid or dilly-dally around that question or, you know, do whatever you need to do to just move away from there. Feel like, oh, my God, just give me a cloak so I can disappear from here. Right. <laughs> right? Also, you also oh. say, did my family member just ask me if I'm having sex? Did they really just ask me that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we don't ask that explicitly, but it, right. it, it probably... <laughs> Right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, so when we finally did get pregnant in two thousand six, I was over the moon, very very exciting time in my life. Um, and then uh, what happened was I ended up miscarrying that mm. in uh, not, oh. in eleven weeks or so, oh, wow. and I I was very naive and somewhat ignorant about the fact that this can happen. So when I didn't expect this to happen and it happened, I just, I, I, I was, I just fell down really, really hard on that, on the first failure, on the first miscarriage. Um, and I was grieving 
quite a bit. I really didn't want to talk to anybody. I was I was living here and my parents and my in-laws were there. Few, you know, just because it's our first pregnancy, we kind of announced it a little pre-advertently. So to a few other friends and family members. So when this happened, it was such a hard uh, time to face people's sympathy. Right. Uh, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm already feeling sorry for myself uh, more than I, I can ever think about. But then when other people are also feeling sorry for me, uh, that just made my life more miserable. In fact, I didn't even I mean, my parents and my my mom in law, they tried to call me every day uh, just to make sure that I'm doing OK. Such a so such a sweet uh, gesture. But I really, really hated those calls those that those time actually. I really didn't want to talk to anybody. Just leave me alone, right? I, I, I am still grieving. I just don't want to uh, think that it is okay because right now in my mind and in my soul and my heart, it's still not okay. I just lost a baby, right? Um, so it was really hard for me to get back up from that. But eventually I did. And then I ended up miscarrying twice again, uh, back to back. But next next two times, we never told anybody about even the even the positive pregnancy. But anyway, I ended up losing them. But after that, that's when and my did you OBGYN... find that did you find that easier then because you didn't no move, or did you no, just feel more got, alone? I mean, like it, I not was telling so people. Yeah. I was, I was, I was more lonely and I was, I was so, um, depressed, depressed, not like clinical depression, but like I was crying a lot. I was, you know, like one time I had to take medication because the, the baby wasn't formed correctly. So the doctor suggested like you have to take a medicine to get rid of it. Right. Wow. Oh, so they have to subscribe a medication to me because it was supposed to naturally go away, but yeah. I was trying to keep it. Oh. Like I wasn't letting it go. So then the doctor suggested like, yeah, Pradeepa, you cannot keep it any more longer. This is not good for anybody. So you have to take this medicine because what I was essentially doing is I was trying to, I'm using my hands here, protect the baby and protect it to see whether I can save the baby and keep it. But, um, you know, so I wasn't letting it go naturally. So they have to induce me and give medication to to let it go. Um, So those were all really, really hard times in my life. I mean, I have to do this by myself. And um, generally, men don't understand these things, right? For, For my husband, it's all about, okay, take a medication. This didn't work. There's always next time, right? But for me, it's not the same. No, it's a baby, right? And I'm essentially getting rid of the baby. So, which I desperately want, which we desperately want. And that was such a hard thing to do. I still remember that day. Um, you know, I, I was crying a lot before taking taking the medicine where I have to really do it. Yeah. Um, so it was not easier. When the third time happened, I just I, I just couldn't believe myself. I just ran to my husband and I was just crying. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really, really hard. Just even thinking about it, my, my voice chokes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still always fresh, no matter how many times and no matter how much time, all those losses are still always fresh in your mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, that's, um, I, I don't wish this upon anybody, right? I mean, nobody should go something like, nobody had to go through something like this. That's why, you know, losing a baby doesn't matter whether it's a week old, two week old or whatever that is. Losing a baby is losing a baby, right? Yeah. So that's really hard. And people who haven't gone through that, it's kind of really difficult for people to understand. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So so you had your three losses, unfortunately, did you go start to see medical professionals? I mean, well, obviously you were seeing doctors through that, but did you start to seek um, IVF or other assistance from, from there? Yeah, that's when, that's when our OBGYN got really um, curious and concerned about like, oh, I have no idea why you keep losing the baby. So I'm going to refer you to a fertility specialist. So when she said the word fertility specialist, I was like, what? And 
again, my naiveness and my ignorance in, in this department all along, wow, there is a specialty for this, for, for helping people get pregnant, right? Seriously, I was, uh, that's, that's how naive I was at that time or ignorant. You can call it either way. Um, and then, but I was also excited because, okay, this is something that we can figure out by ourselves. Something is not right. So maybe these experts can help us, right? So I was very excited to, I was in Minneapolis at this time, and I was very excited to go see my first doctor was Dr. Campbell. Um, so to meet him <clears throat> and, um, you know, so uh, like, you know, if you go to a fertility specialist, it can be overwhelming. I really didn't know what to expect. I really didn't know what to ask. It was all kind of like a, you know, like, wow, what, what are we going to do now? But yeah. then he walked us through the protocols, the treatments. It can Going to a fertility specialist, especially if you're a first timer and seeing, especially when you've gone through some losses and you're already, you know, like really in a bad spot in your life with regards to that. It can be very daunting for some people. It wasn't daunting for me, but I was like, I really didn't know what to ask of or what to expect and how to go about this, to be honest with you. So, yeah, so there I was sitting with my husband at doctor's office and he was looking at our charts and, you know, started um, started putting together some protocols and he was pretty optimistic. Um, you know, of course you have to go through a bunch of tests and blood work and everything just to make sure, you know, like according to the special, um, according to the doctor's expectation, everything is looking, if not, they have to treat that. Right. So, so we were very excited just so that, you know, now it's elimination, right? Okay. This works. This is good. This is good. This is good. But all the tests came out. Okay. And, um, Typically, they don't jump into um, IVFs, so they do what's called IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. So that's the first thing that they suggested for us. And I do have to take some medications, um, including Clomid. A lot of people going through fertility struggles would be very familiar with that medication. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've had multiple <laughs> interviews where people are like, Clomid is terrible. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that's something that's very common and very popular. Um, so usual protocol. I went into IUIs. Um, first didn't work. Second didn't work. And third didn't work. And I was even more puzzled. And like, that's, oh more, God, that's actually this, more heartbreaking because then you're like, we did it that's on more, our own and now it's not working at all. What's, yeah, what's really wrong? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. What is really wrong? Because according to the tests and everything, at least the number seems to be okay in yeah. the normal range, what they were expecting to be. So what's this puzzle, right? Like, where is the puzzle? Um, right. That's the piece. But then after this, you know, we went back to Campbell, Dr. Campbell again. And, you know, now, now the protocol changed. Okay. We will try. Okay, so I don't know why this is not working. Now I'm going to suggest instead of wasting your money on IUIs, let's start with IVF, which seems to be the golden standard for fertility treatments. And um, the um, outcomes are pretty high. The percentage of outcomes are pretty high, especially for people getting pregnant. And I was reasonably very young when when we started that. I was in my early 30s. So I was reasonably reasonably young with that. So I was, I was actually excited to go into the IVF because, you know, this is, this is the high standard treatment. You know, they're Mm -hmm. going to use all sorts of medical miracles in there to get my baby. So yes, I'm all in it. I'm all for it. I don't give up easily. And I just try. I'm, I'm naturally I'm, I'm, you know, my resilience is pretty high and I just go and go and go. So I was totally excited and, you know, I still remember um, all, even the day by day today, like how excited I was to go for my blood work and to the tests and, you know, to the retrieval procedure. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, pretty unique know, ever- to be like excited about like people are hopeful. Right. Right. Excited. I, was, yes. I was excited. I was really excited uh, to be honest with you, especially for my first one, uh, because, you know, the doctor is, doctor is an amazing doctor and he had pretty good 
pretty good data, um, you know, and he seems to know what he's talking about. So I was super, super thrilled and I did everything so diligently. And I, and, you know, you know, if you're going through something like this, you have to be extremely disciplined with your medicines, with your injections, your shots, your progesterone, like everything needs to be on the dot. And my husband was also extremely helpful with that. And we made sure we are doing everything, whatever needs to be done. Um, the day comes, you know, I have to go give my blood work, all the, you know, retrieval and, uh, um, you know, implantation, everything has happened. You know, you need to have two days of rest time, blood, uh, bed rest, you know, like you don't move a muscle. You just need to get up and go to the bathroom and come back. So I was like, oh, my, my husband treated me like a queen. You know, I didn't have to move anything. All exciting stuff. Um, and then I was super excited to go the day where I have to go give my blood. And in the afternoon, doctor is going to call me and tell me I'm pregnant. So so I went there. I was the first one, to be honest with you, that morning to give the blood work. When they opened up the clinic, I was just standing right there. I still remember that. I was that eager and I was that eager. Um, So it was, you know, at the time back then I had a Blackberry. So it was, even the doctor, they said like they would get the blood results only around like afternoon time and uh, doctors, doctor will call, start calling his patients in the afternoon. But even though they said afternoon, like I was just constantly looking at my phone. I was super distracted at work that day. I don't think I did anything useful Mm. that day. I was just constantly looking at my phone, looking at my phone, starting the morning. Um, you know, I didn't even wait for the afternoon. Um, afternoon came. I was getting even more, you know, eager, like, oh, my God, when am I going to hear Dr. Campbell's voice? Um, and for whatever reason, this is how the universe answers me. Mm. And I I didn't get the call. Like, it went oh. directly to my voice oh. message. Oh. Even though you were waiting, so, like, looking at your phone. I was oh. waiting. I was waiting. I don't oh. know what I did, uh, what happened. Sometimes I think there's some, the like, way that people, like, go directly to my voicemail and they don't want to talk to me. Is there, is there a way to do that? <laughs> like, a feeling. I, I, I do it to you all the time, Ellen, and I'm not going to tell uh, you. The truth comes out. <laughs> oh. So, oh, so I don't know. No, I don't think Doctor. Yeah, I don't think Doctor Campbell had that intention. It just, it just, it just whatever happened happened for a reason. And um, you know, I picked up my voice message. I knew the number very well because I've been talking to them pretty much for the last what three or four months now with all my treatments. So I kind of know their number really well. I was just listening to the uh, listening to the message, and you know, hey Pradeepa, I'm very sorry to tell you. That's all I heard actually. And I dropped my phone dropped and um my phone dropped i started i mean i started tearing up like profusely i was actually outside my cubicle profusely and then i realized i'm at the workplace and i'm just standing there and crying i wiped my tears really fast i picked up my phone ran to my desk grabbed my purse and everything and just ran out of the office actually literally ran out of the office i just didn't want it to be there i even remember my next um the person my colleague who was sitting next right to me Matt he just looked at me like he didn't know what was happening like he just really didn't know so he was kind of startled look at me I didn't want to see anybody I just ran out of the office and I came home I remember that um yeah that was such a big 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 blow because you know like I said I was so eager I was so you know expecting that this would be my time this is Pradeepa's time to be pregnant this this is all worth it um, and I did everything I need to do to, to, you know, to take care of all the things that needs to be taken care of, yet it didn't work. Um, I was, I was extremely, extremely, extremely frustrated, disappointed, anger. I don't know what else. Um, it was so sad. I was really, really sad because to me, oh my God, if the golden treat, golden standard, if this is the treatment that can help me with pregnancy. And if this is not working, right, what do I, what am I going to do? Right. What am I going to do? To me, this failure is something that like, wow, I, I know this kind of tells me that I can have a child. And that's where my mind was. I was extremely disappointed. Um, my husband, I don't think he had a similar reaction to this. Um, you know, he, oh, okay, that's fine. Let's go talk to the doctor and see what he has to say. See, that's his answer. But yes, I wanted to talk to the doctor, but I'm also extremely, extremely going through something. So I, mean, I was, my heart was broken. Too. Quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. 
right? That this, this didn't work for me. Um, so it was like, um, you know, so then we picked, I picked myself up and then after a few days, um, we went and saw the doctor. Then he, he suggested, Oh, this, this can happen. We'll try one more cycle. So, so we tried one more cycle. So number one turned into two, turned into three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I went for eight times, although I did move away from, we moved from Minneapolis. So there were three other doctors that I saw. And the first three treatments were with Dr. Campbell and the rest of them were with different doctors, actually. Wow. So, yeah. And and each each call, did it get better or still just heartbreaking? No, it was it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. It was still heartbreaking, and this some uh, this the last three cycles included donor eggs actually. Oh wow! So the last doctor that we saw, he suggested, "Hey, pretty, but we don't know what's wrong here. Seems like none of the IVFs in the past have worked." I am not even going to suggest using your eggs. Uh, we have to try donor eggs. So that was a pretty big blow for me yeah. because, you know, now it's not, it's, it's kind of your problem, right? Your eggs are not good. Your eggs are faulty. Mm-hmm. Um, now we need to go find somebody else's, right? And to me, in my mind, and I'm sure people who are going through donor eggs or donor cycles have something similar in nature, like, oh my God, now this baby is not going to look like me if I get pregnant, right? The baby is not going to behave like me. They're, what if, what if, right? Now the baby is going to look like my husband. What if I, what if I hate the baby if I, if I fight with my husband, right? All sorts of like nonsensical, um, you know, what if, you know, what if scenarios kind of popped into my mind and all these uh, concerns, uh, you know, I, 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 my goodness, I, I, my mind was, and my mind was so clouded. I had zero clarity, right? I had zero clarity. I was so confused. I was so stuck. It was such a horrible time. I will say, and I just have to say just that your honesty with the fact that you've had those questions, because I think so many people do have those thoughts and those questions, but most people are fearful to voice them, that they, that they even had them as they were going through them. So I think it's incredible that you have the the self-awareness that you were really filtering through those thoughts. So, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very difficult for me to accept the fact that I am going to be the one carrying kind of somebody else's baby, right? And uh, how do I do that? Like, how can I do that? What if, what if I don't feel that this baby is not mine? Will I hate the baby? Will I beat the baby, right? Will I, you know, will I not talk to the baby, right? What, what if, I mean, like, you all sorts of crazy, what if I not feed the baby? All sorts of crazy things, popped into my mind and you know I even actually yelled at my husband and I got snap I, I got sna- so snappy and snapped at him quite a bit like what are you what do you know about this like you know you you still get to use your sperm right you know it's still it's going to be still your baby right your your dna is going to be there it's just me who's on the who's on the losing end right so i had fight with him and he didn't know how to respond to that to be honest with you he didn't know how to respond to that he was just blank staring at me and you know I was yeah I was in such a bad spot but somehow I I had to do it on my own collected myself and then gain acceptance okay this is going to be fine it's fine um you know I'm going to do it and then we ended up doing uh, we I ended up you know I got excited because I had to go through different profiles um, and people's profiles and who they are and what they are. And then I have to choose somebody that I think would be a good match for who I am as a person. And, you know, that was was kind of exciting. Yeah. Was it hard? That was exciting. That was exciting for me to do that. Um, And my husband, you know, it's, he just let it me, let it, let me do all those things. And he was okay with whoever I choose to be the donor um, donor from, for the eggs. So I did it all and we did go through that. And the first donor cycle, actually six, all the five uh, IVF cycles until then did not succeed. I didn't even get pregnant, like a positive pregnancy result. The first donor cycle um, was the only one where I got the positive pregnancy, uh, pregnancy result, which I was super, super excited because I was pregnant with twins. Oh, um, wow. So that was super, super, super awesome. 
But then a few weeks down the line, I started spotting. And, um, you know, I went to the doctor again. This was different doctor, Dr. Sherban. And he said, like, Pradeepa, I'm not hearing any heartbeat. I think we are losing the babies. So I still remember uh, this is the doctor in Chicago area. I actually uh, got up from the table and cried and cried outside the clinic. Like I literally cried and um, kind of a nurse actually came, keep running, came running back, um, you know, like um, behind me, actually, I still remember that. Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? So it was really hard to lose the babies at that time again. And uh, that was, again, a big, 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 big blow for me. Um, And yet, you know, next time I had to pick myself again, and we did donor cycles a couple more times. Both of them didn't succeed. And I didn't even get the positive pregnancy result next two times. And by the eighth time, you know, Dr. Sherban even suggested, hey, we wanted to maybe we'll try this protocol. The doctors try and change the protocol every time. If something doesn't work, they try try something else. And that's what they also try. Uh, Somehow my husband suggested, okay, let's go for the ninth. And then let's even go for the ninth try. And we still have the age because, you know, age matters here quite a bit. The more older you are, the chances of you getting pregnant are drastically lower. So somehow I decided to say, I don't know where I got the courage from. Until then, I was just saying yes to everything. And first time I said the word, no, nope, let's stop here. I don't want to go through this anymore. This has taken so much toll in my, not only for me physically, uh, so much toll of me mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I mean, I shared few emotions with you, like I was sad, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was irritated. But the important emotions that I didn't share yet was I was going through so much shame. You know, there was so much shame in me, like, this is, this is not happening. This is, this is a natural phenomenon that occurs when people have sex. And yet, um, why it's not happening for me, right? There was so much shame. Um, and jealousy was also a pretty big thing. A lot of people don't admit that, but I was extremely jealous because people around me were in my close friends and family members, even who got married way after me are announcing their babies, uh, birthday parties and baby showers and inviting me to those things. I had a really, really, really hard time um, sometimes going to some of those things. And I didn't know how to tell no to these people because these are close family and friends where I really didn't want to see them or I didn't want to talk to them. I really didn't want to, you know, look at the small, cute baby thingies because it reminds me of all the failures and all the losses that I'm having here in my life. And I didn't want to... I mean, this is such a, this is what is kind of unique about infertility. If people don't, if people haven't gone through this, there is no way the other people can understand this. So that's something I always feel like, okay, I cannot talk to anybody because they will not understand what I'm going through. I'm not trying to sound, you know, like, oh, this is special or this is unique, but that's the reality, actually. Unless you have gone through this, Unless you have taken the treatments and gone through the office procedures and have failed at least a couple of times, people typically don't understand that. So I was feeling even more lonely. Um, you know, I was feeling even more sad. I really didn't have any clarity in my life. You know, I am trying. I am giving all myself into these treatments Yet none of these things are working for me. Like, why me? Like, why God? I'm not super spiritual, but I do have a belief. Uh, why God? Why did you choose me to be this way? Right? What did I do wrong? Right? That's like this big question mark hanging on top of my head. And I'm walking with that big question mark. And I was also being quite fake at work. At fake, I wore a mask and, you know, everything in Pradeepa's life is good. You know, I just smile and I be my usual chirpy. Don't talk anything about anything personal. I just keep business as business. But internally, I was just crying and sad and dealing with all the failures and in the losses. 
yet I have to fake my smile. And that's how I, I was at work. I was completely inauthentic. I was ignoring what was happening to me. And I was trying to live a different life at work. Of course, that wasn't healthy for me, but that's what I did. That's what I knew to do. At home, relationship was struggling with my husband. This is a long journey, eight, eight plus years of journey, like back to back to back. Um, and, you know, intimacy was lost. Uh, you know, like uh, everything has become so robotic. Even having sex was become robotic because they tell you time to do this and do that and not do this, right? So it, it, just, it just affects your intimacy and your sex life quite a bit. And it did for us too. And, uh, you know, there was this invisible wall that kind of built between us. Uh, and uh, it was just growing tall and strong. I mean, I didn't know what to ask of my husband for support. He didn't know how to support me. I mean, whenever we started talking, I just yell at him or snap at him or give him a silent treatment. He really didn't know what to respond. Then he then, then he just goes silent, right? He avoids talking. All those things, you know, every unhealthy behavior that you can imagine in a relationship, we had those unhealthy behaviors. And uh, for me... My coping mechanism was Netflix. <laughs> I used to come home, sit in, thank God for Netflix at the time. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I used to come home, sit, sit in front of the TV and just, you know, try to forget. Even though that was the unhealthiest coping mechanism, I would never, wow. ever suggest anybody to do that. Healthier, but like that was, I, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's that's what I did. I was a couch potato sitting in front and just ignoring what's happening around me or trying to forget what's going on with me and just try to, you know, watch TV and TV and more TV. I think that maybe they they saw me watching TV like that and that's where they framed the name binge watching. <laughs> you <laughs> probably, it, huh? probably <laughs> Probably Netflix collect Netflix collected data on how much TV that I'm watching, <laughs> and uh, somehow they <laughs> somehow they they figured out okay yeah there's something that she's doing which is pretty unique she's just nonstop here so maybe we should we should coin a name and I'm I'm assuming I, I may be one of the top contributors for for their data there right there you go <laughs> the it, it was gonna be Pradeepa watching but they named it binge watching instead is that <laughs> exactly right <laughs> exactly oh. exactly but that was um that's not that's that's not that was not healthy that was totally not healthy and that's how i lived my life i even remember one day coming out of work um this was in milwaukee and um coming of coming from work on a very cold winter day and i was just sitting in the car for 3 hours straight not wanting to go inside my home because it just my home reminded me of my hopelessness with infertility and I just didn't want it to go inside there. So I sat on the cold car for three hours outside. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so what I, changed? I what brought you peace? What brought you to a better place? What, what, what circumstances became a little different? Yeah. So the frustrating part for, for me and our journey was we went through so many tries and we, the only thing the doctors didn't do is cut ourselves or cut us open and look what's inside. Apart from that, we took all sorts of possible tests that you can imagine that anybody with infertility will go through everything, top to bottom, left to right. And the frustrating part was medically, they couldn't find any fault in either one of us, yeah. right? So that made it even more difficult for me to really get a piece, piece about myself. Tell me something wrong, it's wrong with me. At least I can use that to move on, right? But for me, that's not the case. It's unexplained. Everything looks okay from the outside. Your test results are kind of okay from the outside, yet we don't know why it's not working, right? And the doctors were quite puzzled. And these were like four doctors, four different specialists. Um, they were all equally puzzled by why this is not working. And um, all they can try is, we'll try one more, we'll try one more. And after, like I said, eighth time, I just, I just have, I just couldn't go through this anymore. This, 
this was so overwhelming for me every time. And I put a stop and me and my husband, we decided to go with the adoption route. So that's the route that we chose. So after the eighth try, uh, after the eighth failure, um, we started our adoption paperwork. Um, Had you been looking into that at all before or that's kind of you no until you stop no we did not we did not that's the path that we just kind of suddenly decided okay let's start up go and adopt yeah that's it uh, we didn't even think too much into it and we just started uh, we started our adoption process we decided to adopt since we both are originally from india we decided to adopt from india so it was an international adoption because we were living here um so we started the paperwork and even that paperwork was going on. And after I said stop, even even um, after the adoption paperwork is going, it took me three years, um, Ellen and Jen, it took me three years to really, truly get over myself and make peace with myself. So my journey was three, eight years plus three and a half years of this, almost 11 and a half to close to 12 years. My life was so miserable with infertility. So yeah, I, I I had a very rough road. So it it was it was such it turned my life upside down. To be honest with you, I imagine. Um, but how did the adoption go? Yeah, adoption uh, adoption on the side. You know, it it took it it took its own time. It took almost five years oh, for wow. us to bring our child home. Oh. So it, it was, since it was an international adoption and it's just like a black box, yeah. you know, once you put the paper through, you can't do anything. They won't tell you the date. They will just give you, it will take between <laughs> six and 12 months. Oh. That's the date that you will get oh. between six and 12 months or between three and nine months. That's the range that they give. So it can be three months or it can be nine months or sometimes even it can be more than nine months. And you will have zero clue and zero ability to change anything. So that's how the adoption process goes. So, but what it taught me was a lot of patience, to be honest with you. And the patience that we had, it was totally worth it because, um, you know, when we brought ours, when we saw our son uh, for the first time, all the things that we went through, all the, the, you know, the waiting and the struggles and with the, the annoyance with the process itself, it all kind of melted away. It was totally, totally worth it. Mm-hmm. I know. When he, okay, happy ending. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, I'm going to cry. Yeah, when he came and sat on my lap for the first time, I, I just, I just cried. I just, you know, like it was totally, totally worth it. It was totally worth it. So I just realized that, oh, God had different plans for me. You know, God had different plans for me. I'm still a mother. I became a mom, you know, but you know what? It's, it was, it's such a blessing. Karthik is such a blessing in our lives. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Good. Happy ending. So, so tell me, and we talked obviously a little before this, but one of the things that you've touched on a couple of times, and I know that you professionally touch on with people is the impact of your relationship with you and your husband. And I love that part of your journey coaching is talking about how relationships can be dealt with through infertility as well. Do you want to touch on that or tips on how people can't, cause you know, cause you, you said, you know, you admit, you know, we had, we had the most unhealthy coping mechanism possible. You know, do you have tips to help people have healthy coping mechanisms through this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in my, me being a fertility coach, initially I started working only with women. And then, um, you know, I very quickly realized when my female clients started bringing about the relationship challenges. And then I actually was, you know, like rewinding my journey and thinking about how it was for me very, very quickly. I realized, oh my God, infertility takes so much toll on relationship, especially marital relationship. And I'm actually doing a research on the side, um, on the side where I'm asking questions to people going through infertility. Unfortunately, I have to report that Many people, there is a high percentage of people going through infertility or either separating, separated, or ending up divorcing each other. Not because of their inability to have a child. It's because of their inability to take care of the relationship challenges that occurs when when they're going through infertility. And that is so, so sad. And I've personally taken upon myself 
that a mission of mine, especially the reason why I work passionately with couples is no couple should separate or get divorced because of infertility. Infertility should not be the reason for a marriage to separate or get divorced. Yeah. 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 So you asked for a few tips. The thing that, you know, we, we all, we all go to different kinds of schools in different parts of the world and yet we don't do a good job of us. How do we, you know, teaching us skills, how to communicate or how to go through when things get tougher, right? These are some things that we are not taught in general, um, right? Yeah. Generally, we are not taught. So for couples who are listening to this, if you are if you are going through infertility and if you're seeing any hardship in a relationship, there are a few tips that I wanted to offer you. Number one, pay attention to your partner. Right. It's so easy. I I was so guilty about this. Right. I always paid attention to how sucky the journey was for me. It was always about me. How much, you know, like how much this I'm sad, how much I'm feeling jealous. I never, ever, ever paid attention to my husband. And I have I haven't even asked him even once. How are you feeling? I never asked. And I'm equally guilty of that. And that's why I, I say this with all my heart, with all my all my passion. Pay attention to your partner and ask each other, ask each other intentionally, how are you doing? You know, that question itself really helps the other person to see that you truly care. Right? How are you doing? That's all, that's all it is. That's all to it. That's tip number one. And number two, especially, you know, this is something that I've, I've seen in my relationship. Um, all the things that I talk about is, is from my very long experience with infertility. And oftentimes some of the conversations can get really, really heated and there will be blaming between partners, especially if one of them is has chat problems, right? If there is a male factor or a female factor, then it's because of you we are getting pregnant, right? Because of you, I have to face this, right? There is that kind of blaming that can happen very, very quickly. And even general conversations, how do we communicate with each other? How do we, how, I snapped at my husband so many times, I can't, I, I lost count, right? Things like that can happen. And if you're not careful enough, you just go into that rhythm of, just blaming and criticizing and, you know, like stonewalling, uh, being defensive, right? All those things happen all the time. So sometimes, you know, if you are in, if you see yourself in a heated conversation, just excuse yourself and remove yourself from that situation, when, especially when emotions are running high and just separate just go go your go your own way do something for 20 minutes 30 minutes or so collect yourself and then come back hey can we talk in 20 minutes i i just i'm just not in the right space right now can can we please excuse right and just say something like that remove yourself then you can go collect your thoughts and then come back and have a different type of conversations because if you keep talking and yelling and blaming and criticizing when emotions are running high, it's just not going to go end yeah. well for either one of you. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing, another tip that I also wanted to share is to gather, you know, like uh, this is this is something that one of my clients used this quite a bit and they are very successful with that. I wish I knew it when I was going through this. To get to say together, come together as a couple and just, you know, say it together. Together we will make it through this too. Just say it loud to each other. Look each look each other into your eyes and just say, hey, together we are going to make it through this too. This should not be the I mean like I'm just making it up. This that's um, this should not be the end to anything, right? A marriage is not all about just fertility and infertility and having a child. A marriage is about more than just this. So even saying it out loud really helped them, you know, come to a common place and a common consensus in a very supportive manner. And saying it out loud, really, when the other person hears that, 
that will make them, you know, like feel a little bit, oh, yes, it's, I'm not on this alone. You know, I have my partner here with me and we are going to go through this together. Right? Yeah. So it actually reinforces that. Really great tips. How do people find you? Everything, um, you know, <clears throat> all my information is in my website. It's uh, pr- pradeepafertilitycoach.com. It's P-R-A-D-E-E-P-A, fertilitycoach.com, all one word. Um, that's where people can find me, my information. And we'll add that to our website as well. So if anyone didn't catch that, you can check on the, I want to put a baby in your website. And we'll, we'll include the link yeah, as we'll well. link as well, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I actually have a new online course um, coming up. It will be released hopefully by the end of this week. This online course is pretty unique in the manner where, you know, this is basically around like two hours worth of content. Um, You can kind of consider this like me teaching or coaching you through a video. Wow. Right. But it's self-paced so self, self-paced. learning. Self-paced. I was going to say, that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's self-paced. And drinking coffee. Exactly. It's your favorite drink. It's, and the cool thing about this course is I have, I have split this course. It's not like a two-hour straight. It's split into different, different modules. And there are modules for as a woman, as a man, as a couple, as family and friends, right? So I have modules for each and every one and more. Um, I'm not going to, you know, release everything here, but, um, you know, it's such a, it's, it, it, it has come out really, really well and it's self-paced and it's not just people are just listening to me. There is going to be a lot of activities. It is a self-paced um, online experience, but it has workbook associated with each module. So, so people will be doing, I'll tell my story and I'll share, hey, this is what I did. And I'll have them do, okay, so tell me, maybe do this and tell your story. And what are two things that you wanted to take away? Things like that. So it's extremely um, interactive in nature with that regards. And people will be doing a lot of self-reflection. And it's basically a lot of um, coaching through this course. Wonderful. Oh, so it should make everything suck less, right? <laughs> yes, Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I can't not ask you because it's a burning question in my mind. Those, all that time when you were binge watching Netflix, what was the best show? (laughs) (laughs) I was watching Lost like crazy. I I was watching Lost. Oh, uh, by the way, I do wanted to, uh, going back to the course, I forgot something. I'll share the link with you because the course is hosted elsewhere. So I'll share the link with you. It's it's called hernextchapter.org backslash instructor Pradeepa. I'll share the link with you. But the amazing thing is for your listeners, I wanted to give you a discount code. Suckless. Suckless is the discount code. Perfect. Remember. And they will get $50 off of the course. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank Thank you very much. And I mean, more than that, I mean, yes, saving money is is important. But one of the huge things is I really can't thank you enough for your absolute honesty and openness in talking with us. Because so many people, they part of this and what makes infertility at least a little little more bearable for everybody is knowing that people aren't alone and so it's it's really wonderful and we're very thankful that you're willing to share your story with us thank you thank you so much ellen thank you so much jen i'm I'm very grateful to be to be on the show with both of you today yes thank you lesson of the day um man that that was really open and amazing of pradeepa to share and really shows how much infertility super sucks and I think it's really hopeful to everyone that there are ways to make it suck less and that there are people out there who really are focusing on this of helping others and making their journey suck less. And so, I mean, if you're someone going through this or know someone, I think it's really nice to know there are resources and people to to reach out to that can can help it maybe not be not be fun, but suck less. Right. Well, and I, I mean, I will say one of the things I really loved and appreciated her was that she finally, she knew her limits finally. And she said, you know what, I, I have to take care of myself and my own mental well-being and my marriage too, 
because that's something that a lot of people forget about. And I, I love that she focuses on that in that, you know, they're still at the end of the day, you, you're having this family, these children, because you want to have a whole family and you need to have that relationship intact too. So it's it just really incredible. Um, yeah. So I uh, appreciate her and everything she has to say. And also the relationships we have with our listeners. <laughs> See, you know, I'm always going to bring it right back around, right? And that they give us such positive feedback and tell us how wonderful we are and go on our journey together by giving us iTunes reviews, right? Go on, do it. You can <laughs> Is do there it. a hashtag for it? it? Like it would make us more happy. Hashtag more happy oh, if you gave us reviews. Oh, we're happy, oh, but mind. we'd be more happy with reviews. More happy. Hashtag. I, more happy. That's right. So I, it, it, once I start seeing iTunes reviews, I, I'll I'll start putting more happies out there. People will see them on our social media. Uh, yeah, no, or give us a call, please, at 303-997-1903. Again, we always love to hear from people and get feedback, uh, either positive or negative. You, you can call and, and rant at us, too. I, I might delete it, but, you know, whatever. That's okay. We still like to hear it. It's, it's, it's feedback. Um, but we, we love that you're here, and thank you so much for coming by and listening with us. 